Monday of game week, it's just different. It hits different. It feels different. It's uh, something that has been in my blood my whole life. So when you listen to Red Dirt music, it's like that last Rebel sound to me. It is a combination of uh, Southern rock and jazz and uh, bluegrass. And, and for Skip Bayless to come out and say, I don't feel bad for him and kind of belittle him and say, how dare you? How dare you as the leader of America's team show weakness? Honestly, I want to say what I want to say. This is the Sam Mays Podcast. Welcome. I'm Sam Mays. Today we're talking to Chisholm Holland, my co-host on 107.7 The Franchise in Oklahoma City. It's a sports talk radio show. Uh, we are on from three to six every single day. It has been uh, quite the adventure as Chisholm got started with me in December. Mr. Holland, how are you, sir? Doing well, man. Excited to uh, get a little extra time with you today. A little bonus. Yeah, I um, you know, I was just kind of thinking the other night that you and I had never really just sat down and talked about what our COVID experience has been like being sports talk radio host with no sports. Um, and when you add that and then the George Floyd murder and everything that's ensued after that, uh, it's been this pretty unbelievable roller coaster for you and I uh, sitting in those seats, right? Um, you know, we, we, we obviously got to know each other when you were an intern with the franchise six years ago, seven years ago. Yeah, 2014. Yeah, crazy that you've been here this long and, and pretty amazing that you're sitting in the seat that you are sitting in now and, and you absolutely deserve it. And I really wish... Um, that you would have had just a normal start to your career, right? I mean, but instead you get this, well, we have no sports. Now I have to get creative. And what you've done is pretty exceptional for, you know, essentially six months, you just did everything in your power to be as entertaining as you could be. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, sometimes it did not feel that way. And sometimes it felt like, you know, you're pulling a weight uphill. Yeah. Um, and you're just trying to fight through it. So, yeah, it was a weird start. Obviously, I got this gig in the middle of January. Uh, and that came out of left field big time just from the jump. Uh, I, the last thing I was expecting by any stretch of the imagination and following up Colby, who you know we know pretty well uh, and how great he is and trying to trying to fill in Colby Daniels as well as, you know, I was also taking over what Aaron and Kara Rice have been doing over the past right. few years uh, and kind of trying to step into two people's roles. Uh, basically, you know, I found out at like 10 a.m. that day. Um, so uh, it, was a, it was a hectic start there. And then basically, you know, you and I get, five, six weeks in, and that's when Corona happens. Uh, and so it was a weird start for sure. Um, and it was hectic and it was stressful. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it felt like I'm not going to make it to April. Right. I'm not going to make it to May. Uh, and it kind of felt like I, we had this hammer just kind of hanging over our head for a long time. And so that was a weird feeling too. And to your point, the difference is, is like if you're an accountant and you're worried about getting laid off, you're worried about getting fired, you know, you're an accountant and you're trying to do your job and you're in your cubicle or in your office – and you're kind of processing processing through that mentally alone. You know, you and I are public-facing right. jobs, and so we're almost having to work through that on the air in real time and try to, you know, still deliver an interesting product. Right. You know, so it was a, it was a weird few months for sure. Um, glad football started. It's made this job a lot easier here recently. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm, I'm right there with you. Just, you know, thinking about the – you show up to work, and you're like, every Friday it was like, this is going to be the day. Right, this is going to be the day. Yeah, they, Kelly Gregg always told me on Fridays to make sure I serpentine out of the building so Buddy can't get me. Right. I mean, and, and you know, I've been doing this a very long time, and I've been with the franchise a long time, and 
you know, I, I feel like my job is on normal situations is pretty secure. Um, but you know, to be back to be 38 years old and every Friday you're worried about getting fired. Like that just sucks. Right. Yeah. Uh, pretty terrible situation. And it really was kind of a relief, you know, when we didn't, you know, you leave, you leave and you're like, well, I guess I'm going to get another Monday, you know? And, um, I, I thought that, you know, when I sit that back and think about the job that you've done, um, you know, I, it's, it's pretty re- unbelievable that you were able to stay as engaged with this as you did the entire time. Right. Like, I mean, it's, it's worried about your job. It's uh, worried about an audience. Like you're telling me you do sports talk radio and you can't talk about sports. So now you're trying to do what, get people to like, like you as a person and people don't even like me as a person. So yeah, like you're, so your on air host is your co-host is uh, unlikable. And like, what, what was that like? Just thinking about coming up with the, the plans, you know, that you were coming up with these crazy ideas and we did a bunch of, polls and just fun stuff you know yeah like, we did a death bracket we killed all of our co-workers yeah one day. that was like, by far the coolest one though like we killed <laughs> off the entire staff and like and didn't this is how crazy i am i didn't even really consider the risk like from like an employment standpoint or hr standpoint i was like yeah, oh yeah let's do a death bracket and we'll just have you co-host oh murder. i didn't yeah I yeah. didn't really think about that twice either. Um, now, whenever we got to Buddy Wiley and you knocked him off immediately to Madison Morris, that's when I was like, okay, this might not go as well as I thought uh, because then we might get Buddy. Yeah, we off. killed the boss round one. Yeah, round one. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, you know, you you go through the first few days of the uh, the post pandemic stuff, and if you know, I'm sure everybody remembers when the Rudy Gobert stuff happens on March 15th. Uh, sorry, March 11th, and uh, we're going through those first few weeks. We all assumed it was going to pick back up. Yeah, right. In a week, you know, Two in a weeks. few days. Uh, and then it became abundantly clear, probably 72 hours in, you know, day four, day five. It's like, oh, no, 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 This is going to be a long drought that we have in front of us. Uh, and so that's when you have to start getting creative. And so, yeah, we did a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we did some stuff that I thought kind of worked. We did a bunch of stuff that did not work at all. Uh, you know, we we're kind of flying by the seat of our yeah, pants. Yeah, wait, what was that game? You tried to give me a play game, and I hated it. Craigslist Price is right. Oh, had- that I wanted to... I hated that game. I was so game. mad. I was so mad when I left the studio. This yeah. is horrible. Yeah, you were pretty upset with me that day. <laughs> uh, and I was like, you know, I'm just trying stuff, man. Some of it's going to stick, some of it's not. Uh, and uh, so, you know, we did a bunch of stuff that worked, a bunch of stuff that didn't. The listening audience was pretty great about telling us something sucked. Uh, yes, and you know, in a, in a real friendly way. I don't know about friendly. <laughs> uh, and so we would have, like, you know, deafening silence, I assume, if things were fine. And every so often we get the, hey, guys, you know, that was really funny. Uh, and so that's kind of the best, you know, best that we can kind of hope for. I uh, will say that a lot of the things that I have do now on a daily basis feel so easy because we were doing a Hero Zero segment every day, which we still do. Uh, and I was trying to fill 15 minutes with news stories that generally are centered around sports that we had no sports. Uh, and trying to find things, because if it's a big topic, we need to save that to actually talk about. Right. So I'm trying to find small things uh to fill, you know, 60 seconds with. And that sounds super easy until you're doing it. Um, and so now I, I feel vastly more confident that I can throw together and know where what nooks and crannies of the internet I can go to to find, you know, unique stories. And, you know, some of the audio clips that we now play on promos all the time are generally stories that I found on websites that I found because of coronavirus. Right. Uh, uh, you know, and interesting stuff like that and odd news stories and things. Uh, so some good things came out of it for sure, like skill sets that I never thought I would need you know, suddenly are just kind of at my disposal a little bit. Uh, but, and we also know not to play Craigslist prices, right? Which I'm telling you, God forbid, if I ever have to do a radio show full-time with someone else, I'm going to break that thing back out. 
It was terrible. I'm convinced it would work. It was we, a terrible idea. I probably set it up poorly. I brought no. I think the idea is good. I do. I'm convinced. I'm convinced it could work. What? Give me the. Give me the. Run me through it again. We just play Prices Right with Craigslist items on OKC. On but it OKC had nothing Craigslist. to do with sports. We're in coronavirus. What do you want me to do? And if you also remember at the time, <laughs> this is another. Uh, just now, I'm just vaguely ranting. Randy had us giving something away every day. Oh yeah. Like, we were having to give away something every single day. And, like, we did the Twitter hashtag of the day for a while, and mm-hmm. that was a pretty good segment. They kind of petered out, so we got away from it. Uh, you know, and, you know, you guys used to do bang or bust all the time. But a lot of that was predicated on making jokes about sports. And, like, we can only make, you know, Chisholm is a doofus jokes or, you know. Or Sam, fat shame Sam. Or fat jokes for Sam so many times before that's just totally played out. Uh, so I, I didn't want to just rely on let's make fun of each other because that would be great for five days, six days, but day 20, you know, how many of the same jokes are we making? Right. And then you've hurt my feelings. I'm an emotional right. basket case. Right. And so I was having to come up with a thousand different ways to try to give away stuff and right. also keep the liners, listeners interacting with us. Cause it'd be really easy for them in that, you know, a normal setting just to go silent because like, what are they going to say? Coronavirus sucks. Yeah. We all know that, you know what I mean? Especially right there when it first started. So, yeah, we tried a bunch of stuff. If Craigslist Price is right, I'm convinced it would work in the right setting. But it did not work for us, so uh, we got away from it. You know, one of the coolest things about you, and I, I feel like I've been very lucky in my life to work with, with people that I just kind of, and I think it maybe it's part of my gift as a as a broad, broadcaster, right, sportscaster is. Do you call yourself a broadcaster? Usually. Okay. Yeah. Um, I can really work with anybody. But I, I See, think I always that, just say host. When people ask me what I do, I was like, I'm a sports radio host. Oh, no. I say broadcaster. Okay, yeah. See, that just sounds yeah, way more school. formal. Yeah, and I know. I'm in athletic shorts right now, so I just I, got I don't take on. myself too seriously. Yeah, But still, we're broadcasters. Sure, sure. I'll go with the traditional. Okay. I'm old, though. A little more. And I also did not go to broadcasting school at all. Right. I mean, I didn't, go to school. I didn't go to school for broadcasting either. Okay, yeah. But I learned from some old dudes that taught me how to broadcast. Yeah. Shout out Tom Dorado. I learned from you, if that tells you anything. So. Yeah, you did not learn yeah. any sort of classical sure. nothing. No. But David Garrett. I worked with David Garrett for a long time, yeah. Yeah, long-time voice of the New Orleans Saints, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Anyway. Who's better to work with, me or David Garrett? I don't know if there's a bad person to work with here at the franchise, truthfully. I've told everybody. I've told people that before. Uh, I feel pretty lucky in that regard, but everyone has like their, okay, if you're going to work with David, this is what you need to know. If you're going to work with Sam, this is what you need to know. Like, What is the, you're going to work with Sam list? Just, no, just do it. I do know. it. Unfiltered. I, I'm no judgment. I don't care. Because, look, you know I know I'm hard to work with. I know I am. I will look at you straight in the I face, can, bro, and f- literally fall asleep with my eyeballs open at times when I'm not engaged in whatever we're talking sure. about. Like, I just, I'm sure. like, I have to be entertained by my own show. And if I'm not, I will go to sleep on you. Literally. Yeah. Snore. Yeah. So, let's start with the good things. I feel like we start with the good okay, things. Okay, okay. Uh, before I get to anything bad. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, someone asked me about this the other day. Is like, you know, what's working with Sam like? And I said, the best thing about working with Sam is like, you come in tired. You might come in sick, but you're never, you never come in pissed off. Oh, yeah. You no. know, and no, 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 no. I worked with Dave for a long time. Dave would sometimes come pissed off. Mm-hmm. And like, that sucks. Like, you know, but Dave, there's a thousand things that make Dave great, but like, sometimes Dave would just come in a bad mood. Right. Uh, you never come in a bad mood. Again, you might be tired or sleepy, but you're never just grouchy towards me. You might be on the air, but you know, you and I never get into like, pre-show fights oh, because yeah. one of us are in a bad mood which i really appreciate yeah right makes well, my, i appreciate that too yeah it makes my job super less tense like i can have tension on the air but like if you and i in commercials are mad at each other that's a different thing uh and i just never feel that so that would be something that i really really do appreciate about working with you but to your point yeah like on some level 
I know that it's my job to bring whatever's going to interest you and make sure I frame it in a way that's going to. Because if you don't jump on a story or jump on a topic almost immediately, mm-hmm. I know I got to get out of it. <laughs> uh, and so, like, that's I, terrible. Yeah. So, like, there was an outside chance that Ryan was got to fill in for me one day, uh-huh. uh, two, three weeks ago, and he's kind of asked Ryan me, like, Chapman. Yeah, Ryan Chapman of like how I prep, and I said, just seriously, man, this is not a joke. I prep for. I have a three-hour show. I prep for six. Just because if I throw out a topic and like you can tell if Sam is not interested, you don't try to force it. Because I learned that too in quarantine. Like, don't try to force a topic on him because he won't, he won't budge. Like, you're just going to basically wrap that topic up and move on to the next one. So you just have to prep more, and you just have to be reading more. And I, you know, I watch more sports now than I probably ever have, uh, which is crazy because I have less time. Uh, but I, you know, DVR a whole bunch now and rewatch stuff. And then well, I, now I feel bad that you're overworked. No, 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 no. It, uh, fuck, man, I work in sports. So let's not <laughs> let's not make this like I'm like I'm really like stressed out here. Uh, you know, so I just watch more football than I normally do, or more basketball, and I read more stories and try to get more opinions. Uh, and you know. I worked for a long time. You know, you and I did a six to seven show. We were taking phone calls. That wasn't really you and I. Right. Um, and, you know, when I worked with Dave, I was never on the air. I was mm-hmm. just running the board. Um, I I now catch myself whenever I'm reading an article of, okay, what would Sam think about this? And do I think do I think the same or do I think the opposite? How would that conversation go? And I've gotten a lot better in the past 30 days, 45 days of figuring out, what will work for us and what will not, and basically being able to toss out the stuff that would just we would just waste time on, right? Uh, from the jump, and so I think that's helped too, and that's just coming with time. But yeah, so I would say that's the thing is that you know if you're not interested, man, it's not even like you'll come out and say like this is stupid, which you do do sometimes, right? Uh, but you'll just kind of give me the look of like, and you want me to say what? Yeah, do do something else. Yeah, move nice. on. Let's move on. Yeah. So I'm I'm not a jerk. No, 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 no. Nice. No, no, not no. hard to work with. No. Look, I. I thought this was going to be way worse. I'm winning right now. No. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. I can't believe I just asked him. And I was like, he's going to tell me the truth. That is the truth. All right. Yeah, yeah. Like, nice. I, just, I just know there's a lot of sections that like most sports talk radio hosts or people who kind of do what we do for entertainment would latch on to like a small story to like stretch out airtime. Yeah. Like that's all we're trying to fucking do is like we're just tap dancing for three hours trying to make sure we get to six o'clock without dead air. Right. Like that's really what... And some people can latch onto a small story, and if you don't find that small story interesting, like we just got to talk about something else. Uh, and so, I mean, that does make it difficult sometimes. But once I figured that out, you know, now I just know it's a part of the job, and so it's pretty simple. All right. Well, looking in your mirror, I'm gonna fix some things. I'm gonna try harder. About? I'm gonna. No, I'm kidding. I'm the same old guy. Uh, that's what I figured. Yeah. Like yeah, there's a chance I was right now today. No, no. I know there's stuff that I do too that's probably <laughs> frustrating as hell for you. Um. You know what? Honestly, I, I I think that your transition has been pretty amazing. You know, I think there was some moments there um, in March that got real interesting, and I started to wonder how much you were going to want to continue to do this uh, with me. Honestly, like I would get home from work and I would think, man, I don't know how much longer that kid wants to sit in that booth and uh, and deal with some of the ramifications that Chisholm and I were feeling uh, from George Floyd's murder. You know, and I, and I uh, am so thankful for your voice and the thoughtfulness in the way that you present this topic. I think that you are one of the smartest and most well thought out people uh, (laughs) I've ever met. And I think a lot of, I mean, you just, you just, you, you have done an excellent job. You live in Oklahoma and you work with a black man on public radio. I mean, that when this happened and we were taking phone calls that first week, you, you took how many inward phone calls a day? You know what I mean? Like it was getting to the point where, 
you know, and I'd look in there and I would know instantly by look on your face, you know, and then you don't want to tell me that. And I know you don't want to tell <laughs> right. me that, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, there was that one time that there, you know, it slipped into the, uh, um, the feed and you dumped it before it got on air, obviously. Right. But, you know, someone had said something, I forget what the actual words were, but it's like, same thing, you know, we make eye contact and I'm feeling bad for you. This is something that, you know, I, I, I hate to say this, but it's, it wasn't surprising or something that I haven't dealt with in the past. Right. I mean, sure. I, I'm getting one of those once a month just because some dude is sitting in his couch somewhere mad because he's got a small dick. You know what I mean? He just wants to call in saying, call me the N word. Um, so it wasn't unfamiliar to me. The frequency got a little bit weird. Uh, it made yeah. me feel uncomfortable. You know, you're, you have to worry about as a public figure, you're worried about all kinds of things, your safety. And you know, like I'm, I'm a big, strong, pretty terrifying dude at 38 years old. Um, I can't imagine it. There's a whole lot of people that would just want to face to face do it, but I can, I'm not bulletproof and I'm not, you know, I, I'm not susceptible. I mean, I am easily trapped. I mean, come on now, you put a burger or something out and I'm going in, I'm going in. <laughs> right. hey, hey, is that a, is that a Wendy's box over there? Some spicy nugs? Yeah, I'll be right over. I mean, it's game over for me. Um, but I, you know, talk about, I'm curious, you know, what were you going through in those moments? You know, we'd leave work and you'd tell me, um, that you were proud of me and, and I'd tell you I was proud of you. And it was like this take a deep breath and just yeah. kind of dr- try to decompress. Yeah. That was a, that was a tough few weeks. That really was. Um, I don't really know how to describe it. So when the, this, as far as the college on the air and stuff like that, like that was frustrating and like that made me angry, like right. really angry uh, a handful of times, but it also like, it made me mad at myself because my whole job. And like I said, I would just like to bring up, I don't know if people really appreciate that I'm doing two people's jobs all day. Uh, well, at least what has been two people's jobs. Now, me and Todd and Jerry are doing two people's jobs all day, so I can't complain anymore. Uh, but I just stretched it where I was doing two people's jobs. But my number one job is to screen the phone calls. Right. Like, I'm supposed to catch that stuff before it gets there. Uh, and to your point, we probably got, now that we're past it, I, might, I mean, we probably got 50 in two weeks. Uh, and I missed two of them. I missed two of them, and they got onto the air. Uh, and we dumped it, so no one heard it on the radio. But like that is my job is right. to make sure that doesn't get to you. So I felt I was angry at myself for letting that stuff slip, um, slip by me. And so that was frustrating for me because I felt bad for you because obviously you shouldn't have to go through that. It's just some clown who just wants to feel better about himself. Uh, and you know, and like I said, it was just I was supposed to be the one who snagged those before they got there, uh, and it just didn't happen. So that was frustrating. And then the other part is you know, I don't know how well spoken I am. I, I try to make sure that whenever I'm talking about you know anything that anyone can see as political is. Uh, my assumption is I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Uh, I don't want to say something I don't mean. I try to make sure that my words are exactly what I'm trying to say. And I listen back to myself every time we talk about George Floyd or every time we talk about uh, the coronavirus even. Uh, okay, go back and listen. Is that what you meant to say? Is that how it came across? And, you know, I bet like 85%. You know, there's sometimes I'm like, oh, God, that did not come out right. And I, would, I wish I could redo that. Um, and in that time, I knew what I felt and I knew what I believed to be right. And I knew what I needed to say, but I was so nervous to put those words in the wrong order and to have someone misinterpret what I was trying to say. Uh, And I also, you know, this is just a little bit bigger of a picture here right now. I know that there's a lot of people out there who are very, very sensitive to this um, in the opposite way, as far as like, you know, saying that Black Lives Matter is infringing on them in some way or form or fashion. And I think demeaning those people is just making them dig further in. Oh, yeah. And so I don't want to be that guy either, uh, because I really firmly believe that Oklahomans care more about people than most states. You know, the, this is the state where me and my buddy in college 
we'd be driving home and we would see somebody on the side of the road. We'd get out of the car. We'd help them change their tire. And then, you know, my senior year of college, same thing happened to me. I had a flat tire on the side of the road. Someone I did not know pulled over and helped me change my tire. Like, that is our state. Uh, and sadly, I think that's been our state for people who look like me for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a tough topic because I grew up here and I love this state so much that I don't want to make those people buried deeper because I know they have a good heart, most of them. I, then the people who are so far down that road, there's nothing, you're not going to fix those people. But I believe there are a lot of really, really good people who are intaking the wrong information and then making all of their decisions off of that. And I don't just mean news outlets, you know, I mean Facebook groups, I mean social media. Uh, and they're just kind of isolating themselves in this one area, making their entire choice off this. And so if I come at them and make them feel stupid, or I, may, or I demean them, or I'm angry at them, they're going to turn me off, which isn't going to help anybody, other than maybe make me feel better for about five minutes. Uh, or they're just going to assume I'm an idiot, because all I'm doing is being aggressive. So I try to make sure whenever I'm in those moments, I phrase things, and I talk about things in a way that, here's why I think this, maybe you could think this too, maybe challenge them a little bit, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, and just try to maybe open up a little bit of a conversation, or even just for a moment. Some, if you know, I've probably gotten five tweets during all this that have just absolutely meant the world to me. Of someone saying, "I disagreed with everything you said, but you made me think about it." Right. Like when someone says that about Spencer Rattler playing. You know, last year I said Spencer Rattler should have been the starter in Week One over Jalen Hurts, and I had a couple people tell me that that was cool. This is way better uh, when people are saying about these things. So it, it's been tough because I want to represent my state well. I don't want to demean, I don't want to talk down to anybody because I don't, by any stretch of the imagination, want to act like I'm better than anyone else. Like, if we want to talk about skeletons and closets, my friend, like, I hope you got some room in your trunk because I got a lot of them and we're going to need to bury a lot of them. So, you know, who am I to sit up here high and mighty and tell you why I'm better than you and why I think this way and you should think exactly like I should, just uniformly? I don't think that's right. Right. But I do think people think wrongly here. Uh, And I do think that here in Oklahoma, we deal with that a lot and we don't talk about it. uh, And that's been tough. So... Yeah, it was a really tough few months to make sure that everyone knew where I stood, but I didn't want anyone to feel like I was calling them stupid. The only time I call listeners stupid is whenever they come at me with the Jalen Hurts is you know a good quarterback or you know I don't want to call you stupid, but <laughs> uh, and I always try to make those very funny on purpose. But I don't want anybody to think I'm calling them stupid. Right. But I do want to represent what I think and what I know that we are as Oklahomans can be in the best form form or fashion. So yeah, it was you know, and I'm 27 years old, but I feel like I'm 19 most days. Uh, and so that was a really, really tough few months. And to your point, man, uh, you know, I I would have five or six people who'd tell me, you know, I don't agree with you, but I appreciate you making me think about something. And I'd have thirty people who'd call me, you know, an apologist and a liberal and all these things. Right. Too. So, uh, you know, a little bit of both worlds. It was tough. It was a really hard. It's it still is. It still is a really hard time to be on public radio if you don't agree with the masses. And you know, I'm in the minority here in most things. I um, you know, so I'm, I'm getting ready on Saturday for our Oklahoma pregame show and it's your very first one and um congratulations you know I, I, once once again Oklahoma is one of the perennial powerhouses in, in college football history this is a job that a lot of NFL radio hosts or NFL you know uh, uh hosts that cover NFL teams would want to do that job and I thought you did a great job on Saturday very very cool um kind of a new era for me to, to start that with you um but I'm, I'm we getting, had no idea what the hell to talk about. Right. And I'm getting ready, with, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm kind of having, like, a little panic attack about the crowd, right? Like, from a safety standpoint, because, oh, yeah. you know, like, it, the, the calls have stopped coming as much, but we don't take calls anymore. You know, and I'm not really worried about myself, you know, as much as I'm worried about you, right? I mean, it's, it's amazing how many negative calls that we took, and I was getting called names and things like that, but people really don't. They attack you. 
You know what I mean? Like I feel like yeah, because I feel like I'm a traitor. At least yeah, because I'm, I'm an right, Oklahoman. Right, I'm proud of an o- being an Oklahoman. Yeah, and it's uh, so I I was you know I'm just a little bit concerned about the, the crowd and I'm like God, the kid's gonna be up on stage next to me and I just don't want anything bad to happen. Like that's what my brain has been. Sure. And and when you look at just you know really for both of us, I mean, have you noticed as much as I have how the media is being like there's just aggressive things happening, right? I mean, people are much more brazen when it comes to. Um, you know, cameras and I mean, this happened the other day or yesterday here in Oklahoma City. Some guy gets out of the four-way stop out of his car to yeah. give the finger to a camera, and you know, these uh, small female journalists are being yelled at, and people hopping into live shots, and people just seem to be a little more brazen and disrespectful towards the press. And and really, you know, big thanks to our our president Donald Trump. You know, he's he's turning media into an enemy, and and people are identifying us as the enemy. Um, you know, Todd Lisenby and Eddie Radosovich on our morning show, very, very outspoken, you know, as far as their political stance. You and I really don't discuss it. People have an idea where our hearts are at because... Yeah, I think because we made it pretty clear there for a few yeah, months. Yeah, but uh, but I'm not going to get on there and, and say what I just said about President Trump on the radio. It's not the place for that, right? I get paid to, for my opinion on sports, and I'm, I'm not going to mention the president unless... I'm forced to, right? Unless I'm forced to do those now, things. No, I will admit, I bring up the TV ratings every so often, just as a very subtle, yeah, little jabs there. Jab, and yeah. I, you know, I, I can. By the way, the NFL that. ratings are the highest in Week One in NFL history this past weekend. So really, really, oh yeah, shocker. Yeah, no, good stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you thought, have you thought about that at all? I mean, just from the media standpoint, now, like it just seems like our job went from being very, very low key, simple, have a great time, we talk sports for a living, to now we're thrust into this world with the rest of these journalist and you know targeted and you know all kinds of crazy shit right they got real real very quick yeah i the media conversation is really interesting because i know there's a lot of a lot of people right now who are just doing that i'm not reading anything like i don't believe any media member ever right uh, about anything and which is terrifying is absolutely terrifying and or i'm only believing this one source you know i have my outlets that i read you know i have a subscription to the new york times and i know that's going to make people frustrated but i read a lot of new york times i read a lot of the washington post i read a lot of the daily beast that's where i get my news i also read all of those things knowing what the stigma is with all of them right um and you know saying i'm going to read this with the eyes of this might be coming from a direction as opposed to i'm reading nothing i feel like is a major mistake that people are making here lately and to your point i mean the media has been vilified in a lot of ways, and some of it's brought on, brought it by itself. You know, just use sports examples, for example. Like, if you look at what Skip Bayless is doing on a daily basis, it's hard not to make him a villain. Right. Because he's just saying ignorant things on purpose to get people going. Uh, where I struggle the most is there are media members in the sports world and the political world uh, that are very clearly pandering, and it's just not picked up on by who they're pandering to. Uh, so I would just say for me, like in the media stuff, like my decision making is always if I feel like this person's pandering to me, I'm just not going to that I'm going to try to find somewhere else to gain my information. Yeah, uh, because I don't want to be pandered to. I want someone to maybe yeah. make their maybe make their opinion, but don't try to sell me that my opinion is the end all be all either. Like that's what pandering is. Right. Trying to tell you that you're right. The reader, the listener, the viewer, whoever you are uh, and everything that you think is true. That's not what the media's job is. The media's job is to tell you, here's what's going on, you know, and now you draw your own conclusions. Uh, or here's what's going on, and here's what we think, now you draw your own conclusions. But there's a lot of things going on right now with, you know, news networks especially, and, you know, a little bit on sports talk shows. You know, the easiest example is like Homer Radio or Homer TV. Like everyone has like, oh, that guy works for the team or that guy works for the school or that guy works for the whatever. Everything he says needs to be taken with a grain of salt. 
people are taking that style of journalism that generally has been in the sports world, and it's coming a little bit more into the political sphere, where it's just like there's someone who just represents the stigma of what a Republican is or the stigma right. of what a de- Democrat is, and is just trying to say blanket statements to make those people who fall under that stigma feel like they are no matter what right. Uh, and that's pandering, and that drives me crazy because it's effective. Uh, right. It has been very, very effective here recently. So, I mean, I don't need to tell anybody this. That does not mean that you need to stop intaking information. Right. Uh, and you and I talked about this months ago, and I will say this is something I have wrestled with and I just will never understand. And I've had some conversations with people who, you know, I would say struggle with this. But when did we decide that, like, saying, like, I don't know is the worst thing that you can do as a human? Bro, why, like, why is that? Preach. Why is that, like, removing your identity to say there's something I don't know about? And and it's in everything. Like, yeah. I don't understand why. Like, that's the easiest thing in the world for me to do after a bad sports weekend. Well, yeah, no, I, I was wrong. Or I don't know how to answer that question. Or Chisholm probably knows better than I do. Or we'll call somebody and get the answer for you. Like, it's that's a real simple thing, right? Yeah, so, like, I mean, like, on our radio show every day, I like, I have my opinions on college football, but I would say on the airtime, I try to intentionally be, like, 80-20 your way. Yeah. Because that's going to be something you're more comfortable in. When we talk about the NBA, I try to make sure I lead the conversation. Absolutely. And let you jump off of me. I just hope that I don't hang myself. That <laughs> That's because I feel confident in what I know, and I also feel confident in what I do not know. And let me tell you some things I do not know. I don't know exactly how the economy works. I read a lot of articles. Uh, I follow people who understand what they who tell me they understand how the economy works so i'm just going to trust the experts a little bit on that i don't understand how public health works Uh, my mother is a doctor and she has some semblance of what she believes to be true and i talk to her every so often but at the end of the day she's not you know uh, a virologist or any of these things that are are coming into play right now so who am i going to who am i going to take the word of well the experts because i can admit i don't know how global pandemics work i don't know how like I don't know how any of this stuff works. Right. I don't know how the immune system works, really. Like I understand, like you know, antigens and things like that, but I don't actually know how that works or how our body combats these things. I don't know how long-term health effects work. I don't know how viruses spread. I don't know when people say air droplets is how you get coronavirus. I understand that that's like coming from my lungs and there it's liquid H two O. But do I know how that works? No. Like I don't know any of those things. Um, and I think that's okay. Like, it's okay for me to say, like, I went to school to be a communications degree. I feel very confident about forming an opinion uh, about something I know about and trying to, to reiterate that to you in a way that you can understand. So if you're a basketball fan or not a basketball fan, you understand where I'm coming from. If you play fantasy football or you don't, I hope I can explain to you why I think the way I do. I feel confident in that. I don't feel confident, confident about public health stuff. I don't feel confident about economy stuff. Uh, when people tell me this is how we're going to fix all the world's problems— you know, I don't know all of those things. And at some point we lost months ago for people to be able to say, you know, I'm an electrician. I don't know about public health. You know, I'm a plumber. I don't know about public health. I'm a nurse and I don't know about global pandemics. Right. You know, it, we all lost this ability to say, that's not my area of expertise. And that's okay. Because here's what if Dr. Fauci has a leak in his toilet, I promise you, he's not trying to fix it himself. He's calling a plumber. Right. Because that's not his area of expertise. And just like, doc, I don't want Dr. Fauci telling me how to fix the economy either. You, I mean, like, we can take people at their word, or we can take experts at their word because they're experts in those areas. That does not mean that we're their blanket heroes and they're going to know everything. And it doesn't mean we're blanket heroes knowing everything. Uh, and we just, as a population here lately, have just really struggled right. with admitting that we're not good at something. 
And let me tell you, my laundry list is longer than anyone listening to this show. And for whatever reason, we just can't handle that anymore. We can't admit that we're, we're not, we don't have the knowledge, even though maybe we should. I think maybe some people have feel guilt, like they should know these things because it's, you know, national media or whatever, and they don't. So they feel ashamed, so they act like they do, or people don't care. I, I can't explain it. But people just have no interest anymore of, of admitting where they're, where they might know less than someone else. I just it, don't get it. It's, um, it's, I'm, I'm very intrigued about quarantine, right? And what it's done to people and, um, the, the way that they process information, the way they handle essentially anything, you know, you, you're really kind of getting this image that, especially here in the U S that people are kind of holding on by a thread and it's not just poor people or black people or white people, or, I mean, it's everybody you see on social media every single day, some craziness in a store or somebody's refusing to wear a mask. I and mean, we've had incident, multiple incidents of people defecating in stores, just pulling their pants down, taking dumps because they didn't want to wear a mask. Like yeah. that's their way of protesting. Like that's some real animal shit. Like when you really think about it, that's some real let's devolve, not evolve, devolve animal shit that's happening. And people are acting that way across every single social media that you have. The only thing that they don't have is his hands full of shit. Right. Like when you look at social media right now and some of these are, are worse than others. I mean, it looks like some you have the occasional person that is trying to be to encourage people to just think whether it's on either side. There are some higher thinkers and some people who understand that they're looking to educate people on things. And this is why I view the way that I do. And I appreciate those people every single day that are fighting the good fight the right way, not with anger, not with, you know, with with. Uh, you know, biased. I mean, they're just doing what they view as right. And I can, I can appreciate that on, on multiple levels, but these things are essentially, it's just apes and monkeys throwing shit at each other. I mean, it's a, it's a joke. Like it's comical how people get so worked up about, uh, about people just having a different opinion and they all try to start relatively civil, right? Unless there's a name called right off the bat. And then they all end and just, well, well, you're an idiot and this is stupid and I hate you and whatever. And it's like the, the written word used to be the only way that we communicated and you would be able to communicate every single feeling through the written word. And, and people would read what you wrote, whether it was a personal letter or a manifest and they would know what was in your heart and they would know what you wanted. Today we read the written word and I have a hard time telling the emotion in text. Have you noticed that? Like I can't, I have a hard time. Like when people don't, you know, uh, uh, put punctuation in their text messages and you read them, you can misinterpret so many things. And I feel like there's so many people online right now that are misinterpreting tones. Like they're hearing this person saying what he's writing or she is writing. And they have this tone in their head because it's a built in tone. Well, that's the enemy. So I'm sure they sound shitty when they're saying what they do. Yeah. And when the reality is they, they maybe they don't, you know what I mean? Maybe it's not a shitty condescending tone. Now, look, I'm just telling you, if you find me on Twitter and you say some dumb shit and I come at you hard, I am being shitty about it. Like I'm going to put a gif. It's going to be awful. It's going to make fun of your family, mother. You know, I'm not, I'm not nice. On not pulling media. any punches. Yeah. yeah. No, no punches being pulled by me. Um, but I, I do feel like there's a percentage of people that are angry and upset and it's because either they're being misinterpreted or they're misinterpreting people and what they're trying to say. 2020 has been a disaster. Um, there's no question about it, but I will say this. Uh, we had sports this last weekend. We had we some did. football. And uh, I know you as well as I am. We're, we're pretty thrilled. We talked about covering, you know, Oklahoma, and that was an experience on its own. But uh, to sit down on Sunday, Chisholm, and and watch some football, man, and, and really just kind of 
we got there, right? No, that was a kick in the nuts for me, man. It was an absolute kick in the nuts. It could not have started any worse. <laughs> Jism is an Eagles fan, and I had to bring it up because I wanted your unfiltered opinion. Bro, last night I watched the Steelers play pretty darn good for four quarters. I told you. You yeah. were all poo-pooing on yeah. the Steelers. I, yeah, I'm still not buying it, really. Because Ben looks like that a fragile. Snow kid looks pretty good. He yeah. does. But Ben looks fragile as all get out still. He was limping around the first quarter of that game. Yeah. The Eagles, though. Redskins. I thought that was a no-brainer. Again, It's the football team now, by the way. Um, oh, yeah. The football. The Washington football team. Yeah. I got to stop doing that. Have you seen their new logo? It's like a W with like splatter paint behind it. It's awful. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the Eagles have a bigger problem. Like, that's, that game on Sunday is not the issue. Uh Carson Wentz, as much as everybody wants to blame him for everything, not the issue. The Eagles have some, like, weird medical stuff. Like, really, if, if anyone's really curious, go read, like, injury reports for the past few years with Philadelphia. They have more players getting hurt left and right, unexplained. Uh, players coming back from injury way sooner than they originally say, and then them getting hurt again, or players being out for months longer than they originally anticipate and no real update. Their medical staff is, is a disaster. Like, Jalen Rager was supposed to miss the first three weeks, and he played on Sunday. Miles Sanders was supposed to miss two practices a month ago, didn't play on Sunday. Explain that. You know what I mean? Like, that stuff's going on all the time, so that's Philadelphia's real problem. Even the year they won the Super Bowl, they go into that game, 22 starters, obviously, offensive defense. They go into that game with nine starters missing. Into the Super Bowl. They've always they've had this problem for six years, and nobody can really figure out why they're dealing with injuries like this. And so, Is this the topic of conversation amongst fans? Like, oh, yeah. Message board? Really? If you go like the Philadelphia's Reddit, like the Eagles' Reddit, that's all. No one is. No one is freaking out about like fire Doug Peterson or Carson Wentz is a butt. I mean, there's a handful of those people. Most people are going. Why are we missing six offensive linemen in week one? Not coronavirus. None of this is coronavirus. Why? Why do we have five defensive linemen out going into the second half? Right. You know, the, like it. It's either the worst luck in the history of sports, or right. they are mismanaging something behind the scenes. Well, so, I mean, that's the, a big question. There's, there's, you know, the, the mismanagement on the medical side. There's also the strength and conditioning side. You know, that's yeah, just the, which is yeah, a part yeah, of it. Yeah, I mean, you wonder, you know, what that looks like and who, how long. I mean, sometimes those strength and conditioning coaches can be long term. You know, they've been with a program even between coaches. You know, they just stayed with the team type of deal. Um, that's interesting. I never really had heard that opinion about the Eagles before. Yeah, I mean, because um, no one was because it, it sounds like an excuse, and it's not. They should have won. They were up seventeen right. and nothing in the first quarter. <laughs> they should have won the game. But you just get down to the end of it, and you go, "We were starting a guy who was playing rugby two years ago, who's never played a professional football game in his life at right tackle for an entire second half against Chase Young." What were we expecting? To happen? Right, right. Uh, you know, and so it's that. You know, I mean, last year they're throwing the ball to Greg Ward Jr. and Derek Burnett in a playoff game as their number two, number one, number two receiver. I just, no one can explain it. No one's got any clue. And Howie Roseman, the general manager, has not exactly been helpful. He's been a little shady about it, too. Well, let me say this. I wish you and your Eagles the best of luck this season. Now nah, we're going fucking 7-9. <laughs> Look, I'll be right there with you, the damn Steelers. Dude, you're, I'm telling you, man. I'm not saying they're going to win that division. They're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, no, I, I'm feeling pretty good about that after last night's game. That Juju defense looked is good. legit. Yeah, Juju looked good. What do you have? Four for sixty-five, two, yeah, touchdowns. two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. He didn't look got too a lot bad. of juju in fantasy. This James year. Washington, man, I'm not. That touchdown was gnarly. It, it was like I, I just I don't understand. I'm not understanding why there's not more consistency out of him. Like I'm hoping to see another great performance. You know, like well, they got him playing in the slot this year. I don't know if that's going to change things. They yeah. got him on the outside every time. I always thought he was going to play in the inside receiver spot. Me too. As just a big possession receiver, right? right? Me I mean, too. That's, that's like having a small version of Des Bryant down in the middle. Yeah, now they got Deontay Johnson on the outside, and him yeah. in the slot. So maybe that'll help. All right, well, go Steelers, go Philly. Thanks for your time, man. Thanks, brother. Anytime.
Podcast is a production of P-Squared Media.